The world we know is a collection of stories, tales, and legends, either real or imagined. All need to be told. There is a place to tell them. So if you want to go there, just click your heels and come join us. The Wizards of Odd. In 1958, journalist Andrew Genzoli of the Humboldt Times in Oregon highlighted a fun, if dubious, letter from a reader about loggers in Northern California who discovered mysteriously large footprints. Maybe we have a relative of the abominable snowman, he wrote jokingly in his September 21st column. Later, he said he'd simply thought the mysterious footprints made a good Sunday morning story. But to his surprise... It fascinated readers. And in response, Genzoli and fellow Humboldt Times journalist Betty Allen published follow-up articles about the footprints, reporting the name loggers had given to the so-called creature who left the big tracks. Bigfoot. And so, a legend was born. Don, that's where we're going tonight. Fascinating, fascinating, uh journalist and shoe salesman everywhere. That, that is where we're going tonight. There's no escaping Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Every time we think we're done, he pulls us back in. Everything revolves around Bigfoot. And, and Scotland. All right, let's not start that. No, uh-huh. I, just thought, I just thought I'd mention Well, all right, there I go. I'm saying, I did it again. <laughs> That's good to see you. There's your Bigfoot right here, laddie. Which you can't see. Don is marching oh, around the room. Rain. I'm doing dancing around, doing my wee jig. <laughs> And <laughs> drinking. <laughs> I couldn't wait to use that. Yeah, you have to turn it off because it's another 10 seconds to be brawling. <laughs> They'll be brawling in hooligans. Okay, before we begin, once again, leave <laughs> us a voicemail. 732-820-0502. You can visit us at thewizardsofoddpodcast.com. You can email us at wizardsoddpodcast at gmail.com. And however you're listening to us now, do me a favor. Please make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, and maybe even leave us a review. If, if you enjoyed the show, let people know and tell your friends. We, we're doing, this is a grassroots campaign, Don. That's right. It's a grassroots campaign no, we're roots, trying to no work roots. out. That's right. We're trying to get up. We're, we're populists. But yeah, we're, we're working for the voice of the day. Vox Populi. <laughs> Tonight is Bigfoot. Big feet all over the place. And Dom, what I read to you was, uh, as I said, in 1958, this journalist wrote this. And as he said, there are so many various wild man myths from really all over the world. And um, in Canada, the First Nations tribe, they're the ones who actually started calling it not Sasquatch exactly, but it was like a a, a French kind of. Well, sas- they have, there's another name they Sasquatch. have, for it, like something like Niete or something like that. But yeah. it's, it's less attractive. I think yes. I'm probably mispronouncing it once again. <laughs> or back to the Yana Blanche thing. But it's, it's like, I think it was like Niete or something. Like, I, I don't have the accent. They do Niete. But you know, like, hey, big man come. Niete. But what's really what's and generally really their weird. stuff generally means big guy with feet. Or big something. guy with feet. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, just exactly. literally telling you what they is. But what's so strange is that, you know, the guy writes the article and 
if you went back prior to 1958, there were articles on these kind of strange things that oh, went yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, all the yeah. loggers, I mean... They would see these footprints. They saw They would just stuff. comment on, there's something out there, we don't know what it is. And, they, and then, of course, a few years later, years later, you had this guy to claim that he, he made these wooden feet and he left the prints all right. over the place. Yeah, and you look at those feet, they're the stupidest looking. They're obviously fake. Yeah. And yeah. plus, he went all around the country and all around the world for hundreds of years, this guy. Yeah, that's just that's crazy. That's a lot of geratone. And, and not only that, when you look at the things he made in order to leave fake footprints. They were goofy. Th- yeah, and the ones that are legit... You actually see the imprint of the foot where you see, like, like the dermal, ball of the you see foot. dermal ridges, dermal, and, and right. also some of them. There's one famous uh, set where there's actually a uh, a mis mistreated foot, like a foot that's out of shape, like there's something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Like they had a bad foot, or they hurt themselves or something. It has oh. a big bunion or something on the side, like the bones out of place, and that showed. Yeah, why would you? Because people yeah. would make those things tend to not make them like that, right? And also when they they move, apparently. The footprints that you see that they that they claim to be genuine, because of the structure of their foot, which their foot glides, and they have a hinge in the middle of it, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But when they go down, their massive weight shifts forward, so you always see the footprints always have deep toe impressions. Right. Because their weight shifts forward as they go. Mm-hmm. And even in the Gimlin film, you look at the way the foot lifts up and the thing's walking, you see the bottom of the foot. Nobody walks like that. Nobody. Because no. they, they kind of go like a cross-country skiing, like they kind of glide. Yeah. Supposedly, that's the story. And what's what annoys Even me... Even the Gimlin film, that happened because people had found uh, prints. There were people, surveyors and stuff that were up there. They found prints that went for miles. They followed them. Mm-hmm. They crossed the highway, came back, and right. they told Gimlin right. and Patterson about it. And they were off somewhere else, searching somewhere else. They said, when we come back, we'll look. So they packed... They had it... And somebody had a costume. They had to get in horses and pack mules right. to get to this place. Right. And they surprised this thing. And you can go look at the film. It's been reviewed a million times. I think it's real. And you look at it. They surprised the thing. The thing looked at them. They looked at it. The horse bucked. The guy had to get his camera. It was like nuts. If you look at the film. It's not like the fake ones where they go, look, he's right there. Look. If you look at the film, even if you just wanted to say to someone. And it was a little frantic. Like, give me a percentage of of how real that is. Mm-hmm. I I defy you to say that it's it's not at least 75% real looking. Well, you know, at and, least. And until you really look into the research that's been done on it, people just look at it and go, well, that's a guy in a suit. They don't realize that uh, special effects people at the time, mm-hmm. even Disney said there's no way anybody could have made that suit or mm-hmm. made, a, made uh, a film fake like that. Right. That suit, if it was a suit, and you look at it, it's not a suit because people analyze it. First of all, it's a female. It's mm-hmm. got a big scar on the leg. You can see the musculature. Right. As it's walking away, you can see the musculature in the back. And that's not yeah. a suit. It's not like the person's wearing and show a guy, suit. Here, I wore this gorilla suit. And you look at it, it's like something from a Bela Lugosi movie. Yeah. It's like, there's no way. Yeah. And believe me, I love the movie Room Morgue where Bela Lugosi, yes. he goes, I can talk to him. And he goes up to the grill. And I love Bela Lugosi because he was totally serious. Only he would do that in the morning. He looks up to the thing and he looks at it and goes, and he just starts talking. It's not like he's talking. He goes, he's saying he was taken from the jungle. And he's going, like he's saying something. And he, he could, like, you have to be able to, like Vincent Price, you have to sell that by being so serious about it. But anyway. But but I, I mean, love that stuff. But but the thing that, but the thing that bothers me is like people say, oh well, some of the loggers don't believe it, and well. yet they say it because it perpetuates the legend. It's just the legend. 
If it was just a legend, how could there be so many sightings? Well, plus, these guys are loggers. They're, they're doing very dangerous work. Right. If you've ever seen these guys in action, like what's a show like Axeman, it's very dangerous work. They don't have time to screw around. And they don't want people coming up and going, Bigfoot's up. They don't want people going up there with cameras and no. walking around. They're, they're up there in far country cutting down logs and almost dying sometimes. You know how many stories there are of loggers that when they leave the area and they come back the next day, things that weigh thousands that of pounds moved. They're moved. are moved. There was one where there was... the guy was killed. Yeah, right. And he was hit, I don't know what it was. It was some kind of equipment that you would need a giant piece of equipment to move it for right. logs. Something had lifted this thing and smashed the guy's head. In. Right. There ah, was that one that was hanging from a tree. Yeah. Hanging from a huge and there's obviously tree. something very strong. And it's not bears or anything because bears would not be able to grab it and yeah. move it. Or really think about, okay, I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to move this over to here. I'm yeah, I mean, the thing is, these guys don't want people up there. It's like even even the guys that, uh, from the original thing we played, the guys who went up into the Sierra Nevada. Episode the, one, right. Yeah, and they had the language up there and they all that going on. They really don't want anybody going there because it's unspoiled. They say they don't want investigators there. And these are, and people think, oh, they're in the woods. I'll just go to the woods and see where this happened. They're not talking about where you go to, a, go to the park and you're no. like five miles in there on no. a camping site. You're going 50, 100 miles up into the middle of nowhere right? where you're the outsider. Mm-hmm. You're, li- you're living, you've got to be careful. If anything happens to you up there, they got to right. pack your ass out. You know, yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. You're not, you're not getting there because you're deciding on a Saturday, hey, Sunday, let's spend a nice day and go up and see and where you're Bigfoot gonna, You're was. not going to get a couple of bloggers or podcasters going to go up there in the middle of those woods with just like a, a hand, you know, their phone and a, and a hand cam corner. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. You're no. going to die. There, the people that do go up there, are very, and there are even people that claim to be around Bigfoot all the time and acclimate themselves to Bigfoot. They get used to them. These guys are up there hiding in ghillie suits for months. Yes. One guy was an ex-sniper, so he's able to sneak up there and he hides out. Yeah. They know he's there, but right. he's playing along, you know. It's... It's really an intriguing story because... It really is. There's a lot of nonsense, but there's a lot of truth to it, there, too. And, the, you know, that's the, 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 the nonsense is what really... They complicate you know, it. Here's it, a it picture does. of Bigfoot sitting... See, here's a Bigfoot staring at me from a bush. Right. Like, Bigfoot's going to sit there and look at you. To me, the most compelling things about it is when people are videoing and filming not looking for Bigfoot... And they're and they inadvertently film Bigfoot. Yeah, and that's hard to fake. There are people yes, who try to fake that right. when they do is oh look, there's a Bigfoot. Right. I can't believe he's in my view. Yep. It's like, yeah, I can't believe it either. But you know, it's usually and many times they don't find it till later. Yeah. They look at it back and what was that? Well and, and there was an article where this uh, this woman was videoing and it turned out she was from uh, one of the news stations, and they were talking about Bigfoot in Arkansas and in the um, Oklahoma region. That's a busy region, apparently. It, it's like number eight or number nine in the country for sightings. And too bad Casey Kasem isn't here. <laughs> here is something going out for Bigfoot in Arkansas. <laughs> and then they... La they, Paloma Blanca. They kind of actually um, shelved the story, and then when she was going through the, the video... As she's talking off in the woods, mm-hmm. she saw something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's not like people go looking all the time to see something. Usually, it is it's a, there's serendipity involved. It's like it's like sea monsters. You just many times people go, "It's the, I didn't have my camera." When you're right. there waiting, you're not going to see it. It's only if you see something, if you're not ready to get it. And yeah. It's like same thing. You'll see that too. You'll see like 
like something you'll see a creature in the water. Oh, that's a wave. Or you'll right. see like, or you'll see like, which is okay. Sometimes it is a wave. Yeah. But you don't automatically poo-poo everything because it's it's like UFO stuff. It's like the stuff now, like with Sasquatch. A lot of it is we have to watch a lot of it, and a lot of it mm-hmm. is silly. Yes. You know what I mean? And and it's like, but some of it you go okay, but usually that's not that many. There aren't that many that really you really go wow, there might be something there, and that or to, or sometimes you are convinced that you break it down and go, nah, it doesn't make sense. The, it's got to make sense on yeah. some level. And one of the people who I I like to follow, um, who just I would say over the last five or six years got into the whole Bigfoot thing was Les Stroud, Survivor Man. And he wasn't he wasn't initially really into it. No, not I think at all. Some, I think there was, there's a guy who was way out in the wilderness, and he found a lot of things that just didn't make sense. Right. Like uh, places where you had massive trees uprooted and planted upside down in the earth. Mm-hmm. Where you would For have no to, reason. You would have yeah. to have heavy equipment to do that. And there is no equipment there. There's nothing there. You could you would see if people rolled in with heavy equipment. Right. It'd be in the middle of nowhere. It's almost like a marker. Here's our mm-hmm. a border. Boom. And then trees and sometimes actually they look, bent. Sometimes and they, they bend were trees down and make little like they're making little uh, like lean tos lean tos or something. Yep. Or, or sometimes even leave like they could be very similar to a lot of older Native American things, but they would leave sticks and markers to tell you a direction of there's a hunt and there might be animals in a certain direction. Or follow me, I went this way. They learned how to leave signs for each other. Yeah. Maybe Sasquatch does that too. I'm up here. If you he, need me, they knock. I'll be over here. Who in, knows? This in, is all speculation, of course. In one of his episodes, he actually speculated that from after talking to Native Americans, again, up in Canada. Well, I guess they're not Native Americans. That's right. No, Canada. they're, 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 they're called the First, First Nation. Nation. Yeah, they're so, Canadians. Speaking to them, they said that if you were to give Sasquatch an offering, a gift, it would let your stay be safe. So he was, in this one episode, he was hearing a lot of, like, the knocks on the trees, which are typical Bigfoot things yeah. and all. And he left a group of apples yeah, pretty high up in the bow of well, a tree. Well, because you have to leave them up where other animals can't get them. Right. And he did and that. you have to reach up and get them. When he came back you the next day. You have to be day, able to reach and get them. Yeah, but when he came back the next day, the apples were gone. But there was something else there. I can't remember Almost what like it was. Almost like it was a trade. Like a trade-off. Well, yeah. And also, there, there are. That, there's a, that one guy who did... I can't think of his name. Forgive me. The guy who was like an ex-Marine who was up with the ghillie suit. And he claims mm-hmm. to be living with him. He's got some interesting shots. But he's got a shot where you see apples on a trunk. And then all of a sudden, you see there's only two instead of three. Right. And he goes back and you see kind of a hand come out and take mm-hmm. it. Now, you could say that's fake or whatever, but it looked pretty good to me. I mean, yeah. you, you, always have to, you always have to have some doubt in these things. Because yeah. when a person's by themselves, you have to have some way for people to corroborate your story. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, here's, I was there by myself, and this is what I did. Well, Les Stroud says that all the time. He said, it's very easy to just say, oh, that's Bigfoot. Yeah. But he said, the one thing I will say is, and he knows the woods. He yeah. knows those areas he's in. And the one time he heard some crazy noises... He said, I can tell you this, that's no animal I've ever heard before. And if you hear them, they want you to hear them. Yes. They want you to hear them. They know he's there. It's kind of like... They know he's there. Yeah, of course they know he's there. They they let you know that, you know, we know. Let me tell you something, and this is a fact too, even people who, in the past, uh, people who have been involved in, say, jungle warfare, and this is, uh, they go out there, the enemy can smell you sometimes. Yes. If you're using certain soaps or you're eating certain foods... Mm -hmm. I smell hamburger. You know, I know yeah. there's some Americans out there. 
Well, they even had a thing for a while. They would fly over the jungles in Vietnam. Now they're much more sophisticated. They had a thing called a sniffer, where they'd fly around and they could pick up ammonium, ammonium concentrate concentrations. They would figure there were a lot of people there uh, urinating. Oh, so I figured people were there under the, under the uh, tree canopy. Well, somewhere. I guess it's kind of why. I mean, it's yeah. You know, these are collection things. It's kind of why you know, hunters like actually put deer pee. On themselves. That's a so different that thing. Deer, but, but still, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's, you, you create a trail. You're creating right. a false trail there. Yeah, yeah. You're creating a false idea that something's mine. Oh, there's something yummy over there. You know? <laughs> and then they get over there, and next thing you know, there's like a little piece of lead coming at them going, that doesn't look right. Well, I mean, when not only looking at... So, the, so in 1958, they well, write about Well, there's a lot this. of mystery. That, like we're saying, this, these are the reports. And, it, and some of these people are very valid people. We're, we're not talking about some lunatic... Who just said, I've seen me a Bigfoot. You know, it's like, right. these are, and even if they were country people, those are the people I believe. And, yes. you, and you listen to the, uh, you listen to these Native American people or First Nations people in Canada, they're telling you they live with them, but not with them, but they know they're nearby. And so many of them claimed over the years, Indian tribes, for lack of a better phrase, Indian tribes, they, they claimed that a lot of Bigfoot could speak their languages. Mm-hmm. They could talk, yes. but they couldn't talk to them. Like, they didn't understand what they were saying, right. but they, they would listen and learn people's languages, which yeah. was interesting because I thought those voices you heard in the Sierra Nevada, uh, up there, Sierra Madre, wherever it was, they had, they had uh, overtones of almost like Native American speech. I'm going to put that Which almost has overtones of, of, of Asian speech, too. So it's like, there's some of those Native tribes, you look at them, there's almost a Native, uh, an Asian connection because people came across yes. the, the Bering Land Bank yep. Bridge. So they think mm-hmm. maybe Sasquatch came across, too. That, Sasquatch is probably a different branch of, of humanity, maybe a much more primitive bit, but in some ways, maybe more advanced. You don't know. Yeah. Because they seem to have abilities to disappear and influence people that people talk about, especially the native people, and that's why they don't want to deal with them. They give them their, their own land there, you know? It's funny, we were talking about the Jersey Devil and the Lenny Lenape. The Lenape left New Jersey. I don't know why, but they left New Jersey and they moved to that area. They moved to Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. They but went they, from the frying pan into the fire. And they recently, they re- <laughs> recently this week, they're coming back. They said they want to come back to. Their, they need to reconnect with their ancestral lands in New Jersey. And I'm like, well, yeah, welcome to Newark, and just come in to reconnect. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll Maybe see, they want yeah. to build a casino. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. You think Sasquatch was a problem? All right. So earlier, I had said that how. Uh, so the first, basically, where they named it Bigfoot was in 1958, but there were so many. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a nickname, and it kind of stuck. Yeah. But there were so many articles in newspapers that were kind of like, you know, hidden on the fourth or fifth page, little blurbs, this and that. Well, Don and I were talking about, before the show started, about really, which is one of the most famous Bigfoot attacks in all the, you know, the annals of cryptozoology, you know, uh, record-keeping. Yeah, I mean, if you had a thing, we would call some classics. Like right, a, like in UFOs, like Benny Hill and uh, Benny Hill, <laughs> Benny, Hill Benny, Benny and Barney. I mean, ben, imagine that they pick up Benny Hill. And the and video, aliens are chasing around. It's just the aliens Now that that would be interesting. <laughs> billions and billions of laughter. But yeah, Betty and Barney Hill and Travis Walton. And those are, are the, the, those the like classic. Yeah, those yeah, and so in Sasquatch stories, you get free classics. Well, this thing is Ape Canyon. Ape Canyon. And just, okay, so just to describe where is Ape Canyon, so you know that it's not something that you could just decide tomorrow I want to walk to if I'm in the area. 
It's a narrowing gorge sitting just to the northeast of Washington's Mount St. Helens. Yeah. Okay, so you're not walking there. You're just not. You're not just stumbling on it. You've no, it's got gonna, to have a it, purpose to get there. Especially back in, when this occurs in 1920s. 1924. I mean, now, you, now, you have, now you get a lot of people backpack. They do a little hiking and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of that going on back there because people had more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so now these people, these guys were miners and they were going out there to do some deal. And again, what happened there fits the narrative of so many stories where, you know, it's, it's a group of miners. They came under attack. Or trappers. By or a gang of wild ape men. They call them ape men. Mostly for being, mostly these are people that end up Probably they don't realize that they end up in the middle of these things' territory. Right. And they're not happy about it. And they're not happy about it. Yeah. And they built a little cabin. Yeah, they built some kind of like, it wasn't a fancy thing. It was like a lot of logs. They kind of just built this thing into the side of a hill. Right. Into like a side of a hill. And it's just like, they could go in there, close the door in bad weather. They could just bundle up and sleep on the floor or whatever. And and there were five of them. And they, they were woken up from their sleep because big... Rocks, giant rock. When, now, when I say a rock, I don't mean you reach into your yard and pick up a rock. We're talking 15, 20, 30 pound, 40 yeah, pound boulders. Something happened where they were there and one of them was outside. And I think one of them got into something with one of the Bigfooters. Like saw him and took a shot at him or something. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, I don't know what that was. And then a bunch of them came back. Right. And suddenly they all, these guys had to hunker down in this. And these were, these are five, like, scrappy miners. These are yeah. guys that go out in the middle of nowhere carrying rifles and stuff. They expect trouble. Well, they go into a mine, for God's sake. Yeah, and they're sitting there, <laughs> and now these things show up. They're trying to stay, and all of a sudden, boom. And the cabin is being bombarded. Boom, like these huge boulders are bouncing off this thing. All night it's being bombarded yeah. by huge boulders, and they're shooting at them. And when they were able to get some shots off, the attacks would cease and then start right back up again a couple of minutes yeah, they, later. Yeah, they would kind of like lay low and then come. And what happened, too, they hit them with so many of these rocks and these boulders, uh, they dislodged a couple of the uh, boards. Right. Yeah, pieces of log. So they were able actually, actually able to look out, and it was like, I think it was a moonlit night from the description. They could see these things running around. Yeah. You're like, what the hell is this? They were one, like, one of them actually reached exactly, into the cabin exactly. and grabbed an axe that was right up against yeah, that's the wall. Pretty, that's like something out of a movie. But couldn't get it out. Yeah, it's sort of, apparently this hand came in, they turned, they saw this hand come yeah. in, and of course they probably crapped their pants. And the thing grabbed an axe, but I guess it turned it the wrong way. Yeah. And it kind of stuck. If it had turned it sideways, we got, but somehow they got it away from it. But it was like, imagine how horrifying that would have been. And this is 1924. You're not talking about a time when there were horror movies. The right. big horror movies came out in the 30s, mm-hmm. and they had nothing to do with Sasquatch. I mean, they were like Frankenstein... Uh, you yeah, know, vampires Wolfman. and the wolf—they all came out in the '30s, and that was like way after this. Mm-hmm. And these guys weren't moviegoers; these right. are guys that had no money. They were out there looking for money, you know, dirty bearded guys with yeah. muskets and they had rifles. It was 1924, so they weren't just muskets; they were good rifles. Yeah, and they fired shots at these things. They would like well, lay low and come back. And the next day, when they tried to get out at dawn to sneak out, they re- they looked. They were boulders all over the place. And some of them actually got on top of the thing and they were jumping. Yeah, they were trying to break their way in because this guy had taken a shot. And this la- this lasted until daybreak. Yeah, it was all P- night. Picture a thunder and lightning storm coming through and lasting well, ten minutes. Around here, it's we've easy. had that a lot. It lasts ten minutes. It seems like such a long time. 
This was all night of yeah, this. Yeah, people don't realize when they go, oh, yeah, it was this amount of time. They don't realize when they go, oh, it was five minutes. Five minutes is a long time. Oh, five if, minutes if, is a long if time. If you're in a traumatic, or you're in a scary situation, five minutes is a long time. Well, when it finally ended, one of the men, Fred Beck, was outside the cabin. Oh, that Fred. <laughs> and he saw <laughs> one of the Bigfoot creatures standing off in the distance at the edge of what is now called Ape Canyon. And Beck fired on him. And he says he saw it tumble into the gorge. He saw him shoot it, saw it get hit, tumbles into the gorge. He actually wrote a book about the experience that mm. night. And he spec he speculated that they were extra-dimensional beings. That's a lot of speculation. I mean, that's really, it's, you know, I don't know how he came to that. I mean, that's pretty interesting. Now, he, A lot of people go there, but that, a lot of that comes from uh, native legend, too, because they feel like they're... They feel like they're real creatures, but they're, but they're spiritual creatures, too. They feel no, like they right. kind of come and go. Yeah. So, like, of course, when they reported this all, they, they've tried, they've come back, not the miners, but the people who've heard the story have come back and say, well, it was probably a gang of local youth that were bombarding with rocks, as youths would do. Well, you know, they got a lot of teenage gangs roaming Mount St. Helens. Right. So that, that's why when they had that <laughs> volcano, it was happy because it just cleared them all out. Because those punks were like soap and windows. It was crazy. It's 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 just that's the most, ridiculous. A bunch of ridiculous. kids attacked a bunch of miners with right. boulders. Yeah, while in they were 19, shooting at them in nineteen twenty four. I mean, really. But it's. And I mean, then, I mean, even I mean, if you think that happened, then give me some history of kids doing that in the area. You think some kids just happened to do that? That they let me go up in the middle of nowhere and attack some miners as a joke. We'll put on hairy costumes and throw boulders at guys with rifles. <laughs> well. Then if you move from, okay, so the Mount St. Helens area all the way on the, on the left coast, you come more towards the center. If you go into the Arkansas, they call it the Texarkana region, um, that's where in 1971, probably right up there in the top five of Bigfoot sightings as far as classics are, is the Falk Monster. <laughs> or the le- which it actually inspired a movie in 1972 called The Legend of Boggy Creek. That was very big. You know, I, I had a lot of friends who went to see that. I never went to see that. I started in the movies. I saw, yeah, in the movies yeah, I, I went to see it. I was like, all right, whatever. It was a big deal at the time. I didn't yeah. really pay attention to it. I didn't realize what it was. I probably would have gone to see it. Yeah, they said it. And it was like a family living there said they were attacked by this mysterious creature. Um, but there's also been sightings in Arkansas. The Arkansas Wild Man... They date back to like at least 1834. Yeah, a lot of these reports are about wild men or uh, like a big hairy men. Because you had a lot of that coming from Europe, too. They always had the wild men of the forest. There was always a wild man living in the forest. Well, here's one that I did not know until today when I researched it. In 2017, actor Rob Lowe told of an encounter with the wood ape in the Ozarks. Lowe and his sons were camping out to investigate the creature for an A&E show, and he said he actually had an encounter with his sons. Now, I do remember him doing an A&E show. Yeah. And, um, Luckily, he had some of those uh, diet power bars. Again. Yes. It kept him going. Yeah. But again, you know, these are all pretty legitimate sightings. Well, if you go looking, like, like if you have the, the, like he does, if you have somebody backing you and you have the, uh, the wherewithal and, and the uh, equipment and the money to go look for these things, you're going to find something. 
You may not see exactly like a picture of a Bigfoot. You're going to hear something. Yeah. Something's going to come close. If you depends on, it really depends on how deep you want to go into their territory and how less you want to be protected. Because the right. only way you're going to see them is like Les Stroud going in there by yourself. They're not yeah. going to come out for a group of people with cameras and everything. They don't know what's going on. Well, I'll tell you, this is how you know. And Les... even if you're a single person or two, they'll check you out first. This is you how have you to know go for Les a long Stroud. time before they accept you. Here's how you know he's legit looking at this. He never travels with a cameraman. He does his own work. And there were two episodes where he was so convinced they were close, he brought in a cameraman because he wanted to make sure he got it. Yeah. When he when he, he surfaced. It's not that easy. To, like people go, why don't you just take a picture of it, get your camera, get your phone out. So by the time you get your phone out and you're ready to hit the button, you know, something might be gone. And not only that, you, you don't know how to focus. You don't know how right. to shoot it. You need somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny. My wife laughs because I went to a birthday party a few years, several years back for my cousin who's a cinematographer. And we went to his birthday party and he wanted a picture of me and him. So she, he gives her the camera. She takes a picture of it. He goes, another one. Well, who's directing? Another one. Do another one. Like just so we have a couple to be sure. So he's already directed. I mean, people with cameras know you got to take a picture. Take another one in case we didn't get it. We always. Because that's what they do. Yeah. I take a picture of my granddaughter. I always snip like five or six yeah. of them. Pick the best ones and then get rid of the other ones. I, I always I always see weird stuff and snap like four or five pictures and none of them come out. Like I was trying to get pictures today of the little turkey uh, chicks walking around for my niece. I couldn't get a picture oh. of them because I didn't want to go outside and bother them. I was trying yeah, to shoot through the window be... and never came out. Oh, by the way, the legend... Let me just go way off the subject. Yeah. The Legend of Boggy Creek, the movie, um, really was a pretty awful movie. But it launched, it launched interest it, in it. It did. It, and they, it did really... they, did, they did a sequel that was even worse. Yeah, I didn't see it. You could check that out on like uh, Mystery Science Theater or Rift Tracks or something. <laughs> but I remember going to the movies to see that and walking away going, damn, there's a big fight. There's a man down there in the thumb. <laughs> it was funny when I was a kid, like for a while, I did a lot of uh, road trips with my an aunt and uncle and my mother. For some They were like pickers and stuff and they just go around. We went to a lot of weird stuff. We went all through the south and I went through the, like New Orleans and the bayous and all that and walking around by myself looking around. Oh, wow. There's some creepy stuff down there. Oh, now, yeah. I think about that now. I'm thinking, what's they do it? I know. Because then we go like, oh, let's check out this place. And they go like back in the bayou, like 20, oh, I can't believe it. I mean, you go in there, and it, their big attraction was a giant shrimp that weighed three pounds. I'm like, oh, great. So we came here for this. But it was like weird. I'm walking around in these like swamps and stuff. I think of it now. I took a paddle boat up to Mississippi. I was like, it was great. But, but I think of it now. I'm like, what's I think? I could have disappeared out there in the woods. They probably saw me there. I'm like, we don't need this thing. We don't need this trouble. You know, you know what's weird? I remember as That's the a, first time I saw a gar. Did you ever see a gar fish? Like the oh, yeah, the gar fish, yeah. First time I saw one was down south of Florida. They had a whole bunch yeah. of, uh, like, a, like some kind of fair, and they were hanging them all up. I was like, what the hell is that? It's interesting. I remember being, you know, in my teens and visiting Civil War battlefields. Yeah, I did a lot of that. And that was before... It became such a crazy uh, thing where it was, you know, the Civil War battlefields were always packed. I was and always everything. a history buff because yeah. I, I would all you see. I've shown pictures. Of you. I went to Williamsburg before it was a big attraction. Yeah, and then I, I went to like Mystic Seaport. I was on the Iron Sign, like the USS Iron Signs in Boston. I was always into ships. Yeah, so I would go on them. I go look at these little bunks, and I would say, I would say, Mom, you'd be my mother was short. I said, Well, you'd be comfortable here, but not my father. And she'd be like, That's not funny. <laughs> but we went to see. Um, we, we saw about 13 or 14 Civil War battlefields, and the one we went to see where Stonewall Jackson was actually shot by friendly mm -hmm. fire, and um, we walked around the area where 
not only where he was riding his horse mm-hmm. when he got shot, but also where the um, the troops were that shot him. And we're walking around there. There's nobody else around. And there's like two or three of us walking around. And it's the creepiest thing because yeah. the the forest is just... I mean, they could be... Something could be right in front of you and you can't see it. Yeah, and I think that's the point we're trying to make. If you think we're getting too far afield here, we're talking about you go to some places and you have to actually go to places to get the feel of them. Yeah. So you could, you could, you could theoretically talk about Bigfoot or a haunted battlefield or somewhere you've been, but unless you actually go there yeah. and feel like, like I told you, I accidentally uh, was going for a show one night in winter a few years ago and I made a wrong turn. You know, I was in Pennsylvania I made a wrong turn, I go down this road, and it's in the middle of an ice storm, okay? And I see these little cabins, and there's nobody around, it's dark, there's little cabins, and there's ice all over the place, it's freezing, and I realized I was in the middle of Valley Forge. Oh, wow. And I, and I said, and I pictured myself being there with these people in their rags, in that kind of cold with ice and everything, and I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know how to get out of here, but I'm going on this one-way road back the other way to get Submit out of here. Submit for your approval. I, I, was wait, I was waiting to hear drums and stuff, because... I was there in Valley Forge and Ice Storm. I'm thinking, you get a feel for, my God, these guys yeah. were building fires. They were tra- and then they were going, well, tomorrow we're going to go kill the English. And then about five minutes later, a little guy in a black suit and a cigarette said, submit it for your approval. <laughs> Don MacArthur thinks so, that he's think, traveling what home. What do you think? You're, you think you're using the men's room? You're not. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, I was like, I realized where I was. It was pretty weird. That is crazy. Because it was all dark and everything was shut down. Everything was no signs, but it was very odd. But when you see these, and in those conditions, you get an idea what it must have been like back in those days. That's yeah. what we're talking about. I used to go look at these old ships, these old cabins. You go to these, these historical places, and you realize, if you get a sense of how these people were living, you can see how they'd be affected by the mystery of what's going on around them at night. Right. Go, when you go into the woods, even in the middle of the day... Oh, forget it. It's dark. It's the same as if you were in a room at night with not a bit of light, and you try to look, and there's, you see nothing. Essentially, in the woods, you're seeing nothing. You're only seeing yeah. what's three feet in front of you. And even even when you... Like, say, you have a campfire. If you have a campfire, you can only see about maybe six feet beyond Right. It. That's yeah. why even Native Americans would say, don't go outside the campfire at night, because you don't know what's out there. I fish a lot. And I, and I fish in streams and all. And he's out there with and mantis, man. I'm scared crapless sometimes. I give you a lot of crap because actually this man tried to kill me last week. He took me on a boat and I got seasick. I don't want to talk about it. He almost killed me. And we won't get into that, I'm, but he almost killed me. I, I don't want to laugh, but... I was so sick. All right, listen, before Although we... Although I have other medical issues I won't go into. That's before right. we get to our, our last Bigfoot <laughs> story, which I think is a good one, oh. this is what, to me, made, it, made it so crazy. We get on the boat, everything's cool. We get out there about, I don't know, maybe a mile or two and off, it was a rough off the day. coast. And she was angry that day. And the, if you've ever fished on a party boat, as soon as the captain starts slowing down, all of a sudden you hear the horn go off, and, ready. and that's when you're ready you to throw your lines out. So Don throws his line out. He's out there for about two minutes, and, it, and the way the current was, it kind of hooked with the guy who was fishing no. kind of close to him. So they get it all unraveled. He throws it back in. And the next thing you know, I see him sitting down, and he goes, "Oh, this is not good." I said, uh, "Are you all right?" Um, uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I lost it, and it was over. I was out there for about. I was actually on the boat. We were out for maybe a half. We, it was like a six-hour trip, uh, five hours, four hours. I was like, <laughs> I was out, I was good for about a half hour. Yeah, and the rest of the time I was laying inside, and occasionally they would just take a fish and wave it by my face. 
and then you know, and then you know, it was like. And there, I don't mean to lie. And there were no fish, and nobody there. was catching any fish either. They caught. Right. What do you catch? Two flounder. Two, keep, two and flounder. They were able to keep. I caught two small. And a sea bass. And you had to everything else back. I was like, throw right. me back. Well, but we won't go with it. I had a reason. So as I said to Don. Uh, if we ever decide we're going to go to Scotland, it better be by plane because I don't want to get on a ship. And you know him. what? I've been on many ships and I've never gotten <laughs> sick. That's the first time I've gotten sick. And you know, you got to admit, let's be honest. I had surgery a few months ago. And yeah, I'm not so feeling great. So I'm sure there's there's yeah, sure something to do. Yeah, I know just because I was laying on a table like a frog in high school. <laughs> but uh, no, that was real. I was never been sick like that, and I've, I I was never so sick in my life. So Don, and I was driving home with him, and I said, "You know, you know, I'm sick." And he goes, "Why?" Well, I'm not talking. Yeah. I would have been, you know, I mean, I just thought, I'll just be, yeah, look at this guy over here, and like, you know. Um, so, Don, the final story <laughs> you that we have for tonight about Bigfoot, as we said, you know, there was so, 1958, they come up with this big story, acting like it's the first time, and yet there's all these well, yeah, stories yeah, prior. Yeah, that's what gets me when people go, yeah, it was because I was running around with my fake feet on. Oh, but that's a, when, when were you born, 1800? A hundred years before that story was actually written about a Bigfoot up in the Mount St. Helens or the Oregon area, actually, the Oregon area it was. Something happens with a group of Bigfoot. We don't call them Big Feet, I guess. But a group <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, that always bothered me. What do you call them? A, a group Actually, of Bigfoot. It's foot. not extraterrestrials. You call them extra pedestrians? <laughs> extra pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a group of Bigfoot and Native Americans... Don, tell us what happened. Uh, well, you're talking. You said Oregon. You're talking about Oklahoma. No, no, I'm, no, no. I said we. The first one was written. Oh, okay. In, sorry, in Oregon. Sorry. Yeah, we're talking See, about. I, also Oklahoma. I was trying to get even for the whole ship thing. <laughs> no, uh, this one. This happened in 1855, and as you know, these are these are oral tradition stories from Native Americans, uh, and so you, you have to take them with a grain of salt. But usually, they're pretty accurate. And there's, there's actually historical figures involved in the story. Uh, around 1850 or so, 1855, in the area of Arkansas, Oklahoma, the Choctaw area, people were living there. They started having, uh, they were missing crops, and some uh, animals would start disappearing, and then eventually some people started getting snatched. So they're like, okay, there's another tribe or bandits coming in, we're going to have to go deal with this. Because, you know, these are not people who just put up with stuff lightly. So they arrayed themselves, they got together. And among the Choctaw, there was a family, and this is, an, uh, this is a, a historical family, the Tubies. These guys were well over six foot. They were supposedly like six, 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 seven, legendary warriors, two or three of them. They got together with another guy who was named uh, Lafleur. 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 Yes. He was General Lafleur. I forget his first name. He was a little general. He was a guy who was half Choctaw, half French. And he was a famous general. So they, these guys, the Tubie brothers and this general, and about 30 other warriors set out to track the people that have been taking their stuff and their people. They track them for miles and miles. They go, they travel for about maybe eight days or so. They get so far, they take a break. They start going another bunch of days. They finally come to this place where they come to this valley. And as they're going to go in and see what happens, they get on their horses and they're approaching in with their rifles and their blades and everything. And they hit this wall of stench. They hit this horrible stench that just stops them in their track. Their horses stop, they rear up. It's this horrible smell of death and everything. And then they, they settle down, they ride into the valley, and they see this huge mound of bodies and body parts and flies and blood everywhere. And there's probably some other live people there they snatched to, I'm not sure. And they go in and they look, and they see these three giant hairy creatures emerge 
from the mound, stand up glowering at them, like 10 feet tall or whatever. And so these things start coming down, so they figure these are things that are snatching our people, so they charge forward. Because these are, these are warriors. They've been doing right. wars and stuff. They go, let's take this thing down. The floor goes forward, supposedly, according to the story. The first uh, creature swipes his hand down, hits the horse in the head, kills it, drops the horse. The floor flies off his horse. He gets up bravely with his uh, sword and his gun, starts blazing away at this thing. The thing does the same thing to him, swipes him in the head and kills him. Now the Tubi brothers and the rest of them, they're taken aback. They see this. Then they get out there. They had high-power rifles at this point. In 1855, they were well, well, you know, apportioned for the trip. They open fire on this thing. They kill this thing. The other two start running away because they don't want to fight. They start shooting. One goes down. The last one, they wounded it really badly, and it fell down, and the Tubi brothers went in and, and hacked it up and took its head off and everything, supposedly. It was a pretty savage fight. They also, but they found all these bodies. I think they also found some kids that were alive. They did. They found kids like, who were about alive. About nineteen kids, and they took mm-hmm. them out of there and took them back. Now God knows what was going on there. Now you could say it's just a story, but there has to be something behind that story. Native Americans are not. If they could make up a story, you might say they embellished, they made it a tale, or whatever. But generally, they're telling you something from their history that happened. So maybe there's another interpretation of that, but something happened. There. But also, this was written up in. In in 1855, uh, yeah, journal, in a local a, journal that it was went out to towns and stuff and, like that. Yeah, it, it was a story that was accepted as the truth. At, right, exactly. And, uh, you know, because they found these three creatures that were killing people and taking it. It wasn't like today where you go, oh, Sasquatch, I don't believe in that. Right. Back then people went, yeah, I went back in the deep woods. There's something living back there. I don't want to have anything to do with it, but this thing was a killer, and I, I chased it off. But And you'd go, yeah, there's stuff living back there. I don't know where it is. Right. And then you're like, oh, I don't believe in that. So yeah. It can't be. <laughs> You know, maybe we could travel to other other planets. Doesn't mean anybody else could do it. But I, you know. I think I think the purpose of tonight's show is to give me something to do. Is we need to give Don uh, things to do. After he tried to kill me on the boat. Well, <laughs> I was unsuccessful. He tried. Um, but the purpose is to show you that there are not only a lot of nutbags and lunatics that say they see things, but there are accredited people who write about it, who take stories from people. And listen, journalists are not, well, back then, journalists (laughs) are not just going to write something that they hear. Well, that's why many people say when you look at, when you go back in the past, they tend to go by, researchers tend to go by the newspaper journals at the time, reports Mm -hmm. at the time, because they generally just told you what happened. Right. And they said, well, this happened, this is what we heard happened, this is what we saw happen, and this guy was missing. They don't. They, it's not like now. Like even even if they're talking about like you know talking about removing a post office box, they be like, it was a dark and stormy night when we were threatened. Right. I mean, they, they so embellish. They take nothing today and embellish it. Back then, they would take a major thing and just give you the facts. Yep. I'm going to make sure that in the show notes we have links to the Ape Canyon story. These are good. Yeah, you can get a lot more out of these stories. These are pretty interesting stories. You can look at some of the sources on these to find out how you believe in them. A link to the Choctaw. Don't go by us if you don't want. The Choctaw, um, Bigfoot War. It took me a while to find that because I kept looking for the Cheyenne War of 1844. Right. And it, it turned out Choctaw. it was the Choctaw of 1855. So I owe you a little respect there. So we're going to we're gonna put those links in there. Um, you know, just to throw out to you, the next episode we have, we, we've, we do have a bit of a surprise and something a little different. We're going to have an interview with a, a paranormal uh, thriller author. Uh, his name is uh, Kurt Reeling, C. Howard Reeling. 
and he has a series of books. He calls them Paranormal Payback. The he, has, he has an interesting approach to he does. the paranormal world. He takes the basic paranormal world and presents it in story form, but still doesn't lose the flavor of what he's trying to tell you. Yeah, and, he, and he's, got a, he's got some interesting stories. He also has some very interesting paranormal stories that he wants to share with yeah, he's, us. Yeah, he's got some, just in talking to him a little bit, he's, he knows some people and himself, he's had some experiences. Yep. So he's gonna, very open to that, that's why. Yeah, and we're going to have him on the show. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk hmm. about what Don and I are both reading, uh, each reading one of his books now. I have my assignment. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, by uh, you know, by the time we have him on, we'll have those books finished. Well, that's only fair. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got to we've got I mean, to we have that. a general idea what he does, but I really want to get he, he gave me that book and he explained something to me. I want to check it out. Yep. And because uh, when he was here, we were t- actually he was here one day. We were talking about the Jersey Devil, and the fact that yeah. uh, the night we did the Jersey Devil story, there was a storm that night. I went home because I had to get home early. It turned and it was a tornado warning. It turned out the tornado yeah. was a, a water spout that started offshore, and this is after we did the Jersey Devil story and moved in into the land on Summers Point. Which, if you know the Jersey Devil, that's like ground zero. Yeah. Then right. I was watching yeah, right. it as it headed up up the coast through the Pine Barrens over Teddy's house. Mm-hmm. It was headed over Teddy. Then it was headed towards my house. It was like it was. It ended up like a mile from my house. It actually dissipated. And I was like, "Oh my lord!" He's trying to tell me something. I said to him, "I thought I heard wings that night. I wasn't sure." I so listen. If you have any questions um, that you might want us to uh, ask, see Howard Reeling. And that's Reeling, R-I-E-L-I-N-G. Uh, you can look him up, uh, read his bio, look at his books. If you have any questions, you can call us at 732-820-0502. Or again, you can email us at wizardsoddpodcast at gmail.com. Don, this was, um, this was a fun show. I love talking about Bigfoot. You know, it, it kind of like we, we had a, we had a couple of stories we had to do to get out of the way. Uh, and, and it's because Bigfoot just, it, it's the thing that has a life of its own. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, even though we have other things we got to talk about, we're going to talk about, that seems we had to clear the air on some of that stuff. Well, well Don, you have a good rest of the night. I will. And uh, everybody, keep listening. Tell your friends about us. And uh, let's get this going. And land hope. The world we know is a collection of stories 